here we are, a cast iron brains, a podcast positively bursting with Christmas spirit. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How you doing, Lori? I'm great. I just finished Christmas shopping. Hey, we've got some got some news. Yeah? The Russians hacking? Today is Monday, December 21st, 2020. It's the winter solstice. It's the day of the grand conjunction or the great conjunction. All between, those two uh, planets, right? Those goofy planets? Jupiter and Saturn. Did you catch we a whiff of it? No, it's too cloudy. Okay. So I went out at the uh, appointed time with the children to try and see it, but it was too cloudy. Of course. And we saw nothing. But it'll go on for the next few days. Hopefully we'll have a clear night. But it won't look like Jupiter's head. It'll just look like a ball of light, right? Yes, but the, I mean, you open yourself up to the wonders of the wider galaxy and universe, and you can appreciate it from... From here, from our little speck of dust Well, here in the Milky Way. It'd be nice to take a view, but I'm currently a prisoner in my own apartment. Yeah, we are really what's going on here. We are <laughs> precisely one week removed from the onset That's right. of your symptoms. Yes, it was exactly a week ago. So I'm seven days into my uh, 10 days. Abe has COVID, everyone. That's right. Abe got the coronavirus. Maybe it was the the British, the fast, the fast contagious one, because like it kind of, I don't know how I got here, but I got it real quick. So yeah, a week ago Monday, we did the show, and then afterwards I had my dinner, and it started tasting funny, which is like so weird because that's like the number one, like oh, you have the virus if you can't taste or your sense of smell so you is couldn't, off. You couldn't taste anything? You're you're eating your I assume Abe, you're having your palate's normally so having a sweet potato. Right. <laughs> what were you eating? What do you My sense of smell and taste were uh, is probably so off that it pro- I probably had this problem going back days, but it wasn't perceptible to me until Monday night. So I had like homemade burger and I ate it and I've had it plenty of times before, so I know exactly what it tastes like and it didn't right, taste because like that. As as people out there might not know, you guys you, don't know Abe. You're the sort of person who decides what you're going to eat one night. Yes, and then you eat that thing <laughs> for like three years. Yes, give or take, <laughs> and think, only and only that thing. There was one time I came to visit you guys in Charlottesville, and I think it was like a peanut butter jelly sandwich, just kind of like, hey, you want to eat this? And I ate it, and then for the next eight months, that's all I ate for lunch. <laughs> Just, I was like, "What? This is so simple to make. You can reproduce you it." You guys, it's, he's not kidding. It is, yes. It's and also, you know, Abe drank exclusively root beer for like a year. That's right. Yeah, it takes a long while before I get tired of it. In fact, you would think that the last Monday when I ate something funny, tasty, that it would throw me off the burger thing. I've had it five times since to to <laughs> to make sure because like my taste came back like a day later. And I've actually just had it for lunch today, and it's back to normal. It tastes So normal. what does it – so explain the sensation of you just couldn't taste or smell anything that well, night well, or what? It's, it would more a smell – the smell – like, you know, as soon as you take a bite of something, you can't help but smell it. And that was messing my brain up because it was I was smelling something that didn't taste – like there was like a weird mismatch. Where, it was like a mismatch. Like yeah. when you smell a peach and bite a pear. Yeah, it's something exactly like that. Yeah, it was basically like I know what I'm eating, 
So like I'm doing a lot of the heavy lifting, but then my nose is giving me wrong information. It's like, <laughs> so I'm like, no, no, this is not it. So I just kept on taking a bite and a bite. And I'm like, oh man, I guess it's that stupid thing. And then the next day, Tuesday, I ate something else. And I was like, maybe I'm just an idiot and I'm eating expired meat and bread. Right. And so the next day I ate something totally different that was new and nope. And you would have no idea because when you say something totally different that was new, yeah. what was that you ate? It was like a, a granola bar or something. Okay. But like, it was such a weird random. Something totally, no, it needs to be pointed out that something totally different that is new is a granola bar. Yes. And I'm like, if I, if my granola bar doesn't uh, taste normal, then I know I have something. And then a few days later, I did get tested. Uh, they, you know, what's weird, they, uh, I, I've been getting tests like this was like the sixth or seventh time I've gotten it since March or April. Uh, and this time, I think they're doing more because they gave me that oximeter reading with the oxygen levels or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they did some other, uh, like, some other test. But all of those came back fine. So there was nothing going on. So I was like, whatever I did have it was like a very mild version of it. But it came positive on the test. They're like, oh, you got it. So you have to, like, you know, when was it uh, that you first got uh, – uh, you know, like any symptoms. And I told them that it was Monday. They're like, okay, so that's the 14th. So add 10 days. So the 24th Christmas Eve. So this upcoming Thursday is my, my party party. When I'm getting up, but I was like, you know, before I did that, I was thinking on the 23rd or the 24th, depending on, it's hard to get an appointment these days. Is, uh, is, is magic city open for uh, Christmas <laughs> Eve? Do you know? <laughs> no, I was saying I need to actually test out. I just can't just say 10 days, you know, like I don't understand. How do they know? Cause some people maybe it lasts longer or, you know, so I was like, before I just let the clock run out, I want to test negative on like on the 23rd, 24th, 25th, whenever there's something. And then I'll feel Didn't comfortable. They just shorten it to 10 days. Yeah, apparently they shortened it. They said it's like if the, if you had a symptom, yeah, I guess I don't know why, but I, th what they should have done, which is what I'm going to do on my own, which is if you can, it's either 14 days run, run out the clock or 10 days plus a test, you know, test out, because mm. that makes more sense. Because like, who's to say, sure. you know, what if it all started Monday and today is only seven days out, and then a few days is only, you know, it's not that long of a time. So how? So you live alone in yes. a one bedroom apartment there in Atlanta. You don't so you don't share a house with anybody. You don't regularly interact with people. No, although um, there was one. You know. Yeah, that's true. On the other hand, and probably why I got it, uh, I, I can't pinpoint it. It's either it happened at work. The By the way, I have pinpointed it. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay. I have well, I have I made my <laughs> diagnosis, and I'm I'm one thousand percent certain Bob of how you got this virus. Basically, Sherlock Holmes. So, but. But go My ahead. two guesses is that either when I went to work one day a week ago, there was a few positive tests, but I wasn't near anybody, so that's right, a right. low so, probability. So tell me, this day, this day that you spent at work, was it a day spent at work like in meetings all day long, sitting around a table with a bunch of people talking, sharing air? So spending time in the same the enclosed space uh, with uh, coworkers. Some of that. So basically, it was a two-person review. So we had to walk around and make sure the checks are going where they're supposed to, the documents are signed where they're supposed to be signed. So I was interacting with people, maybe like 10 people that I interacted with, you know, like within, you know, we're keeping the art five, six, three feet distance, you know, uh, 
And it was indoors. So that, that was like one scenario. Indoors with masks or Wasn't no that, masks? Oh, I mean, come on. It's the IRS, Bob. A very tight ship we run. So masked up, keeping reasonable distance, right. and not not exactly lingering, right? Right. No, no, no. Yeah, there was no lingering, and everybody was a little, you know, like, you know, because you're only there one day in, a, you know, a month or once every few weeks you go there. So it's either that or even though I live— First of all, let me—I know it's only one day a month. Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of how necessary your physical <laughs> presence in the building was for that one day a month, where how would you rank so, that? The only way I can characterize it is the only way to do it is in person, but it doesn't need to be done. So Right. So <laughs> that sounds about right. You know, so it's like if you're gonna do it, you can't do it any other way, but you don't necessarily need to do it because there's nobody else there. But why can't you do it over Zoom? I don't know. The thing is like for some reason, they started doing like, oh, we're back to normal. Let's start to but do like, these what things. Because, like, I literally can't do my job on the yeah. Zoom call because yeah. I have to touch people. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't have that. Yeah, I could Why do Why can't uh, yeah. they do it over Zoom? I understand having to be face to face. Right. But yeah, no, we don't. But uh, like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. But like, all right. So what's the other possibility? The what's other, other possibility? It's just the building where I live, there are common areas. The elevator. Uh, the laundry. Oh, wait, you go out there, you hang out in the courtyard with talking about cats with people. <laughs> How much socializing are you doing there, in the courtyard? There, it's not socializing. It's just incidental contacts where the mail room, the laundry facility, there's a lot of areas. If anything in the last 10 months, if we've learned anything about this stupid virus, right? Yeah. It's that that sort of incidental passerby con- contact right. low is probability. unlikely. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Right. So, okay. So, those were my two guesses and they're low probability scenarios. What is your guess? What do you think? I got it. The absolute mortal lock of the century, <laughs> Abe, okay. is that you got this virus yeah. recording no, the buffer. Traitorous <laughs> podcast. Your other podcast. I would... Put any amount of Lori's money on the idea. Okay, hold on. That you, you, right? Because okay, so it was the fourteenth, right? 14th, yeah, the fourteenth. Yeah, so it was the fourteenth. You recorded a podcast. The that, so that was a Monday. Yeah. Right? So the, mm, the, the well, no, okay. So the okay, yeah. So that was the fourteenth. The last time we we recorded the fourth of December. So the four, it was yes. a Friday. So so ten days, <laughs> just I, a week and a half earlier. I guess I that's guarantee true. you. That Erpen or Simon, because those are the two who are yeah, in the room. They were with in you the room, night, yeah. Right? Yes. They either have antibodies now or they have the virus. You know that, One of those so two you think things they is, also is had true. a smiled version and they didn't even notice yes, the smell. Because just like so you are incredibly young and healthy and virile, <laughs> and you have that uh, that great Somali <laughs> constitution of yours right. where it's mostly any, that. anything that happens to you, you just go lay down for like 17 <laughs> hours and off. you're better. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. So Obviously, you got a relatively thank thank God a relatively yeah. mild experience with this virus, and I don't have to like, yeah, you know, I would obviously be devastated if it were if it were otherwise. Like, um, like I was on Herman Cain's, just like oh, just <laughs> just, just Bob that's and what Lori I get today. for laughing. That's what I get for laughing about Donald Trump's only black friends getting the virus. <laughs> it's what happened. Uh, I I am so and I'll. I'll take this up with the buffer yeah. here. Uh, so, but but no, but no form. one has uh, contracted it. And actually, if 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 your theory, no, it, they have. Have they, they been tested? They have you. not. But you know what's funny? Well, it won't be. You were not. It won't be funny if it's true. But like, 
one of us, Simon is in Col the country of Colombia. Like, so if it, indeed there was like some sort of contagion at my place on the 4th of December, one of us, of the buffer, there, we're spreading it widely because he's in right. another I, continent. See, I don't think that you're patient zero in your friend group. There's no you way. You think somebody else gave I it don't to me? Think Yes, what one of those do? one of those three dudes one of the, one of those three dudes had it that night. Well, one of them, and yeah, it wasn't I, you. I guess yeah. One, one of them does. Uh, they're flight attendants, so they travel around a lot. So, but who, what are the chances of that? <laughs> Just being on a two. What are the chances of that? Meanwhile, of on your on your podcast, the other guy, Binyam, is like. Oh, under his breath right. in the last podcast, he's like, <laughs> he's, trying to he's pin blaming it on, it on me. He's saying you picked, we're 437 miles away as the crow flies. You never know. <laughs> haven't been in the same room in 18 months or something. And yet you record your goddamn podcast in a small closet in your one bedroom apartment That's in true. Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> not entirely, each other. not exactly perfect East Luber. Right. That's and, true. That is <laughs> and screaming at each other. I can't. And yelling in close proximity. There's no not a chance so you know what? that you picked this up anywhere else but right there We're with your buddies in in a in a, on a on a recording in January cuz you got to give it a few weeks i'm going to i'm going to insist that all three all of the people who are doing this take an antibody test Right. Yes. Just, Those don't prove anything. I either. know, but I would like because it would be so perfect if it was like all three of us had it. It would just be fun. It's like, oh, so it's got to be one of you guys. I'm gonna find a way to challenge them to do it on their own. <laughs> like, maybe put up a put up a bet on like delivery dinner to their house <laughs> or right. something. Where like we're gonna bet dinner on this because I guarantee you. You know, I that Erpen or or Simon has the goddamn. For virus some reason, it, it never occurred to me. I'm like, maybe it was the mail room, or maybe it was the IRS. Well, because you never assume it's going to be the people. That you know, yeah, that that actually because the people that you know, got, are people you and know, in fact, it's safe. And this is neither here nor there, but I I got like five bucks, and it, maybe it's just because because Simon was on the last recording, right? But I think it was Urban because oh, there's, yeah. there's like a little there's a there's a little, little something going on in Urban's voice he's, where he oh. feels like <laughs> slightly uncomfortable about he, the situation. I think it was him. He similarly tests every now and again, but yeah, so I, actually that that I'll I'll admit of all of the the, the theories, that's like. The most likely to be true, but in my head, I'm thinking it's something else, you know. It's just the, the time frame doesn't work. Because, like, on the 4th, if the interaction happened on the 4th, and then... So, I got I got the test on Thursday, the 17th. It came back the next day, Friday morning. They said, oh, you tested positive. So, I guess the, the timeline still kind of works. It does. Yeah. It works. I checked the timeline. Yeah, yeah. It all works. Yeah. If you recorded right. in the first week in December... Right. And then you start showing symptoms on the 14th. Right. And then you test positive on the 17th. It all works. Right. I, I thought, yeah, that's true. But anyway, I guess I'm, I'm on the other side of it now. So we'll see how this goes. But it was, uh, I didn't realize how uh, restricting it is when you can't do outside things. Yeah. So what have you been doing? Have you been getting, because uh, usually you get to, you, you walk out of the house into your parking lot and you're at Kroger, right. right? I'm at Kroger, so, so I was like, "Oh, I guess I'll try the the Instacart thingies." You know, so I they had like some all these promotional things. So like, I just got like a week's worth of like bread and peanut butter and you know, <laughs> hamburgers, ground beef, <laughs> the usual, yes, and that granola bars. And uh, on a I, limb. they just delivered it here, and it was it was great. Actually, well, well, the funniest thing about my 
isolation so far. Every now and again, if you're like in an apartment, they'll do some maintenance or whatever. So some maintenance people were knocking at my door, and there was a, a, right. a, a let's say a language barrier, you know. Uh, so they, all they could say is just like you know maintenance. They didn't seem to have a grasp of any other word. And I'm trying to explain to them like not a good time for maintenance. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> you don't want to come. It's not like I'm like naked or anything. It's just like. It's not a good time to be near me. So I was like, no, 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 no. It's like trying to wave them on. No, no, it's fine. It took a little while. Did you ever figure out what they were there for? Well, no, they'll, <laughs> they'll just come and just make sure something isn't like leaking or. Does he get COVID? Why else would you come? Right. I should have just said, yeah, I should have just said COVID. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah. So I'll be uh, out of this. But you're feeling thing. good? You have not had any symptoms uh, since yeah, that, the I, first couple of days? I was waiting because like somebody, I don't know, maybe it was been, somebody was like, oh, this is how it starts. So basically they're like, they're doing this projection. Oh, by the end of the week, you'll be it's like, you want to take this medication and basically trying to get ahead of it. I'm like, well, I'm fine right now. And I'm like, yeah, I'll probably. Did you sleep like 15 hours no. straight at some point? What's one? Like, I none. I my sleeping didn't change one way or the other. I, I went to sleep at the same time. I woke up at the same time. But the one thing, thankfully, I didn't get is like there was like no fatigue. I actually felt more like up and right. I was like, oh, wake up early and just dick around. Just the idea that I can't go outside makes me do stuff inside. Because like, if I could go outside, I ne I don't necessarily go outside when I can. But just the thought of it right. just makes me not want to do anything while I'm at home. <laughs> feel much more liberated just that, knowing that you can do that's something. That's right. Yeah. So on the 25th, whenever this Christmas thing comes, I'll be out and about. Nice. So, yeah. I'm still alive. Can't get rid right. of me like that, Glad virus. You're doing, glad you're doing well. Yes. And I really think that you need to consider legal action <laughs> against your <laughs> podcast <laughs> mates down there in Atlanta. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving, moving on. Moving up. along. We can talk a little bit about the president and what he's been up to. I joked a couple of weeks ago, or at some point since the election happened, that it wouldn't be out of the question. Like, if anybody took Donald Trump seriously, even a little bit, if he was at all actually the president of the United States, then we would be forced in this moment probably to consider all of the options in terms of removing him. Right from office like if this was being done and anyone believed that it was a serious attempt that might succeed to keep him uh, as the president it wouldn't be out of the question for a democratic congress to try to impeach right. him and it wouldn't be out of the question to expect republicans uh to convict in the senate right with even though there's like only 30 days left in his term he could still do a right, lot of damage. And it shouldn't be out of the question for Pence and the rest of the cabinet to consider the use of the 25th Amendment either. If it come, if if he is so fully disconnected from reality that he's inviting Sidney Powell and Michael Flynn to the Oval Office to have a powwow about their options in terms of uh, getting states to overturn results or otherwise convincing the Supreme Court to hand him the election, as reported by... Uh, Maggie Haberman in the Times this weekend. Like, what else are you waiting for him to do to prove that right. that is someone who probably shouldn't hold any levers of power? It, unless you just don't think that he's actually the president and that nothing that he does actually matters. Either that or people are confident. Like, cause in, the, in the the story that came out in the New York Times over the weekend describing what was going on at, at the White House Basically, the end of it, despite all the crazy things that uh, this uh, Sidney Powell was uh, floating to the 
crazy enough to where Giuliani was trying to distance himself from. Like, oh, shit, that's too crazy. But it seems like in the room, people— But that's the problem. Right. We're, we're, I'll let you finish yeah. in a second. We're relying on Rudy Giuliani yeah, that's, and Mark Meadows right, right. to be the same— Like, that's where we are when we, we joke or they, they talk about for years the adults in the room. Uh, uh, McMaster and uh, what's his name? The Exxon guy as the Kelly. Secretary of State. I, I saw Ken Cuccinelli's name, and I haven't seen that name in a while. I can't believe this guy is like the last line of defense where he's having to explain how it is. He was as belligerent and ridiculous during the impeachment stuff as anybody on that team, right. including Dershowitz right. and Giuliani. And, and he's the voice of reason. Right. Like That's the adults in the room who are left are people who up until fucking 10 minutes ago, you would assume uh, had no business making any any rational decisions whatsoever. Right. right? It, it's crazy, like that's, yeah. That's yeah. where we are. Right. But it seems like um, when enough people... Because my, my sense of things is that Trump just... Like, he is ignorant in many ways. He has no real sense of how government works at all. So when he no. hears somebody's floating a cockamamie idea on, like, Newsmax, like Flynn did, where he was saying, let's declare martial law and run back the election until we get a favorable outcome. Trump is thinking, oh, well, maybe that's a thing. And at the back of his mind, even though he hates uh, Obama, like, even though he was fired by Obama, like, uh, Flynn was, like, the head of, like, the whatever, some agency, like, not too long ago. So Trump's thinking, like, he's on my side and he's floating this idea. He wouldn't float it if maybe there wasn't if it wasn't somehow okay to do. So like he's he's relying on these kooks to make decisions for him. Thankfully so far, with a month to go, so things can change, there are enough people in the room to say, no, you can't do this. You can't confiscate all of the voting machines. Remember, this is not a federally run election. It's run in the local and state you know, uh, areas. So you can't just take things uh, to prove something that, that's not... True. Right. And that's so that's also so and I've said many times over the course of the Trumpeting that and the and the Trump presidency in particular that he's not the actual president. Right. right. And, I, and I sort of in a meaningful way, I'm joking, but I'm not joking, which is that if he were the actual president, then everyone would like everyone would be reacting to him differently. Right. And that's why it was amusing to me that Bill Barr was using Donald Trump as a vehicle for his theory about executive power. And maybe that's what ultimately drove him back, like to try to get back into the White House and become part of this Trump thing is because he saw how thoroughly emasculated uh, presidential power, executive power has become in the last four years. Where the president doesn't actually do anything. All the president does is tries to make sure that things look good for him on on cable news or on Twitter. And he doesn't actually do anything. And maybe that is and, – and I think that probably uh, Bill Barr, that might go back to before Donald Trump. That might go back to some feelings that Bill Barr had about Barack Obama and the lack of executive power that Obama was ultimately uh, left with as he was crippled by uh, an obstinate Senate that wouldn't let him do the normal actions of uh, the oh, presidency, yeah, right? right? right. Including getting uh, judges confirmed, including especially, of course, getting the uh, uh, the Supreme Court seat filled. So I wonder if Bill Barr's ideology about executive power and his complaints about the way that it's been deployed 
or or not respected in the last few years actually goes back even further. Right. Perhaps it does. I mean, I, I do suspect that he did see in Trump a a useful idiot where he can channel through Trump some of the crazy things he's been wanting a president to do or to assume. Uh, so maybe that's why he came back and did this. But like, it seems like as soon as the election was over, he did not want to take part in anything like that. Like, I mean, uh, to be fair to him, a lot of the stuff that Trump wanted after he lost were crazy. Uh, but crazy hasn't stopped Barr before, you know. And so, right. I, and, and I suspect had Trump won, I guess he wouldn't have all these issues because he wouldn't be making the same claims. But uh, he would probably try to uh, try to stay on, although Trump would have probably kicked him out anyways. Uh, so, yeah, the whole thing is weird. But you're right. I, I think with the, the, the threat of Trump, yeah, if he was any other person, it would be a grave threat. But then, again, it's the circular – it's this catch-22 that I keep on going back to. Trump made it this far because he's not that, you know. So Right. And we've heard about the imperial presidency now for for quite some time and the the problems with having an imperial presidency. Maybe that era is completely fucking done though. And we just didn't we didn't realize it until now because of the extent to which he dominates the that the personality ultimately dominates the scene. But if you go back Besides Obamacare, right? right? Besides the Affordable Care Act in 2010, that was the that might have been the death knell of the modern imperial presidency in a meaningful way. So, do you way, think right? so? You don't think that because uh, throughout Trump's presidency, there have been moments where Trump tried to do things to kind of get past Congress, you know, funneling money from one project that it was intended for for something else, and and the courts, unless. The examples were so over the top where they try, you know, like when they put the question of the citizenship into the census, like unless it's something like obvious like that. Uh, and e even in those situations, they, they just say try again. Uh, but when Trump has tried to do whatever he wants without Congress, these acting positions forever, these appointments, you don't think that another president could just kind of continue to do things in that nature and, and basically have a sideline almost Congress to where you can get a lot of things done, even money-related things that are supposed to be the purview of, of the House. Maybe I'm com just completely wrong, but my feeling is that what we'll see in the next four years with Joe Biden is an, a further retreat of executive power, in part because Biden will not dominate the national cultural conversation. He, he'll still, in the, in the same way that the the president is always sort of the most important national figure, certainly in politics, right. but also throughout around the culture as well in the way that he defines the national mood. I don't think that Joe Biden will in the same way that presidents have for my entire life, as far back as I can remember. Right. I, I think that he will be the least visible president in our lives, probably. Right. Uh, and and I, I think in, in a lot of ways it will be by design, basically – uh, unlike other presidents, first-term presidents, like Biden is going for the legacy play immediately. It will be by design, and it, it will be reinforced by the fact that, in all likelihood, the Democrats are going to lose both of those right. races in Georgia. Right. Mitch McConnell will hold control of the Senate, and they will get nothing done in terms of uh, any of these bigger, certainly in terms of the bigger, more progressive ideas oh, that they allegedly have. Certainly, yeah. And also, I mean, but but in that in that likely scenario, and I do agree that it's likely that 
the Republicans are going to keep the Senate. Uh, I don't see, like I've said this before, whatever happens, it's going to be 2-0 one way or the other. So it's going to both flip blue or they're both going to stay red. There's not going to be a splitting of the two races because basically they're both running on the same platform. Keep the Senate, you know, so the the, the objective is the same. So I don't see that uh, splitting. It's the same platform, but... And maybe it's just the woman thing that I'm stuck on, but I Leffler just seems like a particularly poorly qualified candidate. She, somebody I, who's never won yeah, elective true, office. Yeah. Somebody yeah. somebody who did not come into her money in any she didn't exactly earn it, right. let's say. And somebody who has offered absolutely no vision or idea right. for what she thinks ought to happen be, beyond being some sort of a backstop against uh, the inevitable inevitable socialist uprising uh, that that's, that Joe Biden uh, would bring to <laughs> that, Washington that's literally DC. yeah that's literally her entire campaign although it would be interesting if she did if you were to lose because McSally out in Arizona she was appointed uh, I mean she lost twice you know she ran one time she lost to one Arizona senator she then was appointed after McCain died and then she lost again so maybe getting appointed sometimes isn't the best way to go to get in Um but yeah, I, 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 I do think though, in the likely scenario that the Republicans keep the the Senate, wouldn't that be even more reason why Biden will then be forced to use? He some can of attempt these? to rule by dictate, right. but what is it that he can actually get done that can't just be undone four or eight right. years later? Not much. Right? No, no. I mean, that's basically you'll just kind of get. And this, that's that's yeah. what I mean right. is if we've stripped it of everything but rhetorical power, right? And Joe Biden is unlikely to wield the rhetorical power of the office in the way that the last half a dozen presidents have, right. uh, just off the top of my head. Uh, then what is what what is left of the presidency at that point? Right, and and also I, I suspect uh, you know Biden is probably his holding out hope that maybe his relationships with the people in the Senate, some of whom are still there, uh, will will go a long way. But what has won over in the Republican Party is just this this uh, Trump uh, strain, like since we got this virus theme going, this Trump strain of the Republican Party, it, they don't allow for this uh, back and forth and this compromise stuff. You know, so like, I don't, I don't see how he'll make any inroads. Uh, he'll probably face the same obstacles that Obama did, you know. The criticism with Obama was that he never really played ball with them. He didn't, like, you know, play golf or shoot the shit with them. But those kind of things would not have made a difference because the calculation was just deny them any opportunity to succeed. Because the general right. public, they don't care about the, the the inner workings. If something positive happens, they'll say, okay, it is to that person's credit, you know, the person in power. Right, and what it means is that we're ultimately ruled by the least democratic branch of like people people say that the supreme court that the judiciary is the least democratic branch of uh, the american system of government and i tend to disagree with that not because they're yes they're not accountable in the same right. way because they're not voted in elected right. uh, elected officials are but their fealty and sure argue with the fact that they're much more ideological now than they have ever been or maybe we just right they hit it better maybe in the past yeah we don't like the way that they're ideological right. now right. or whatever right. But their fealty, at least on paper, ostensibly, is to the Constitution. It's to the founding ideals, right. and it's to, and even even when they miss on that, it's to grander notions of justice and fairness. And right. they at least, at least yeah. tend to right. 
they that's how they at least defend their positions, right? Whereas in the Senate, where Mitch McConnell reigns, the only defense of his position is pure raw political power. When he's just a senator from Kentucky uh, who is elected by a million people or whatever, right. however many people right. voted for him. Right. I mean, the, the Supreme Court, uh, you know, despite like you, you said, what what people have said about them in recent years, they they're still capable of. Uh, coming with decisions that surprise many people, where it's like a unanimous thing or like a eight one or seven two kind of thing. Has there? When's the last time you've been surprised by Mitch McConnell? Like in you know, oh wow, he actually conceded a point, and now he's gonna try to do something honorable or whatever. It's always just like whatever he can get away with is basically whatever's best for the whatever's best for the caucus. Right. Whatever is best for him, his right. power, and his party, right. and that's the end. Of even the story. even if it. Uh, it uh, erodes any uh, institutional whatever. So when I hear people talk about how secretly Mitch McConnell is a is a, an institutionalist, right. I lose my goddamn right. mind. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, like, <laughs> there's a difference between being somebody like yes, he deploys institutional power, right, right. like as a, a means to his ends, but that doesn't make him an institute. Right. Like just using the force of the institution to your benefit does not make you an institutionalist. Right. right. Yeah. It, it's claiming the power and authority of those institutions for your evil gain right. but whatever right. that's that's me reacting to an op-ed that i've seen half a dozen times about mitch mcconnell right. that i because you know be, being an institutionalist uh there's an implication that there's a reverence and a respect for things that are greater than just your political wants and there's no evidence of that with basically what however he can exploit the institution for his benefit he'll do so you couldn't really. Right. He's a great wielder of right. institutional power. Right. That does not make him an institutionalist. Right. Get the fuck out right. of here with that. <laughs> it is. It's just weird to me that anybody looking at what Trump is actually doing now and not taking it seriously. Like I, I don't know what he would have to do to convince <laughs> you that you should take it seriously. Right. I mean, as we're going to get closer, and he's not. He's never going to give. He will only continue to push at this. And make it worse. We're a month away from uh, inauguration day. It seems like that that there are two sides. One side, they're 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 not in a position to where they can benefit financially from this, and they're just telling them the truth. And then there are those who can continue to get their twenty thousand dollars a day or however much money they're getting out of people uh, to make these claims. And they know that this is going to happen for so long. So just continue to do this. What harm is there to continue to do this? I mean, the latest. Gambit seems to be to try to stretch the January 6th formality into January 7th by, you know, a senator opening up debate on the integrity of the, the process. So somebody will right. filibuster. So, there, so that, that will happen on January 6th, that there will be an objection from somebody in the House and it will be seconded or whatever by somebody in the Senate. Right. And when that happens, then that triggers a debate that has to take place, apparently. Right. And the the idea is that – so Tommy Tuberville – I don't think that we've talked about him before on the show. But Tommy Tuberville, who was a failed washout college football coach – By the way, coach, Auburn, you'll who, never live this down. This is outrageous. This guy is a total – Auburn doesn't have any integrity to begin with to live down. <laughs> Don't you worry about Auburn. I felt bad for them one time when th that undefeated season in 2003, you know, I was... Uh, yeah, you have a soft spot I do, for yeah, Auburn. Yeah, I don't know. Because you, it was you, this, up, you have the same fucked soft up. spot for Auburn that you have for, like, uh, older women <laughs> who are... 
speaking of which, so you uh, how dare not you? only <laughs> I'm not suggesting anything, but you have expressed in the past uh, mystification at the idea that people are grossed out by Hillary. Yes, Clinton, because uh, suggesting don't get, per- don't get me started on that. You, you're a bit of an ap- apologist for Hillary Clinton's good looks, and that's on that's fine. Also, you put into public within the last week that you think that the grandma of Jada Pinkett Smith is actually looks really good. Oh, that's so that's, I'm just saying there's a, there's a pattern developing here. That's all I'm saying. I don't have much argument on the second part. The first point, I've said this before, when I said that, I was saying she's not noteworthy one way or the other. So it's weird that people kept on harping on her looks. It was a weird angle to take on Hillary. Anyways, I don't have sure, an argument. I've completely for- forgotten where I was going with this because I got <laughs> sidetracked. Something about Tommy Tuberville. Yeah, Tuber- right, yeah, yeah. Tommy Tuberville. <laughs> anyway, Tuberville, which is exactly like I said this to you in a text, I think, and to Lori, is if in 2040 Lane Kiffin the was a senator elect yes. from the state of Mississippi. Yes. And was promising to uh, contest the results of the election on the on January sixth, twenty forty one, or whatever, because Kim Kardashian had been robbed. Like that, it, that's how completely yes. insane it yes. is to somebody in in nineteen ninety eight or or two thousand, and you tell them that Tommy fucking Tuberville, the current head coach of the University <laughs> of Auburn or Auburn University, is going to be trying to ensure that Donald Trump stays the president of the United States in 2020. Right. Like it's completely like that's how far we've come in 20 right. years. What will it look like in 2040? I mean, it's hard to get, I mean, to project now. Maybe things will go get back to normal or they'll continue on the present course. But yeah, if if it did go on this course, I could see that happening. And it will probably we're probably being conservative in this in this hypothetical. Probably something even more batshit uh uh, batshit crazy, but I didn't. I read that uh, Mike Pence strategically uh, planned a foreign trip, so he's gonna be there January sixth because he got the vaccine, so he can't get out of it. Uh, the, he can't use your right, your my, COVID. Yeah, I, he should, yeah. So he is gonna be there January sixth to do the formal swearing in and all that stuff, right? So if the Auburn trick play actually go you know is is uh imp- right so but implement purdue apparently has also floated this because well, purdue uh, can't Trump- do anything because like actually his term ends january 3rd and the election f- to seat him again is january 5th and it'll probably be like a day before the election results come because actually he's kind of on the sidelines he's floating whatever he wants but he can't do anything because i think technically his term ends january 3rd uh but that makes there's sense. probably uh, other senators, because what uh, is that? Mo Brooks? What, what? Some some other guy. There's like a few, there's at least one other senator who has floated this idea, and there's plenty of people in the House uh, who would do this. But the end game is just to delay the inevitable, right? So they're 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 going to make a big show just for and Trump. it's just and the only thing is to signal to the base. Yeah. It's only to signal to the Trump crazies in the Republican Party, right. and it's not something that any of the more establishment or institutional Republicans want to have to deal right. with, right? Like Josh Hawley does not want to have to place a vote right. 
in in the Senate onto whether or not to uh, confirm these results or or however that would work. Ultimately, it would come down Wouldn't to be, a vote right. in the Senate to to send this back to the joint session. I think that's how that would work. They would have to put their names on paper right. or their voices out in a voice vote saying one way or the other whether they think that Donald Trump should be the president of the United States right. after this. And Hawley and Cotton and like whatever they'll say in public, whatever, I guarantee and McConnell, they do not want to have to do right. that. And and this is I mean there, there's a reason why Mitch McConnell is in private pleading with them not to do this because there is a good chance that this is just going to blow up in their face because the pleading nothing he should he's I guarantee you he's holding him over the edge of a tall building, <laughs> promising him that he'll just be on the ethics committee for the next six right. years and won't get a penny of Republican money. Right. right? Like if Tommy and and if maybe it's just a brilliant uh, ploy by Tommy Tuberville to, to get whatever right. fucking uh, committee assignment that he thinks he should be leading, uh, but. What the fuck is his expertise exactly? Uh, there's <laughs> no there's no committee on on like the nickel package or whatever. Uh, so I don't know I don't know what his move but whatever is. But whatever, he just uh, wants a higher profile kind of gig. But because the the thing is, uh, uh, going against them are all of the court rulings, uh, all of the moves by. The, so like, the other side could just highlight that. Did you watch Romney on the news shows this I, weekend? I caught him on one. Uh, I think it was State of the Union or one of them. I uh, forget which one it was. Do you think? Yeah, I watched one of them and then left the room when he was on the other one because he's he's one of those who, no matter what questions are being, no matter what questions are being asked, he started Sunday morning with the fifteen things that he, the fifteen sentences he was going to say, <laughs> and those were the fifteen sentences he was going to yeah. say. So I did not need to see him three times, right. but. I sort of got the impression, not that he said anything like this. I don't think he's going to be a Republican much longer. Um, but, I don't. Yeah, can he? He did say. Can I think somebody asked him the question? Is like, um, which you know, after you lost in 2012, they did the after action report or autopsy or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but they're not doing that now, you know, because uh, you know, I I kind of forgot that uh, Trump's not like uh, his vote share is like. Not that high. Like it was like forty seven percent or something, right? So it's like Mitt Romney got a higher yeah. percentage of the vote yeah. than than Donald Trump yeah, did. I was right. surprised by that. Like, oh wow, that is I mean, he got more total raw votes, but the split of the votes, uh, Romney did better than Trump, which was surprising. But yeah, he kinda was I don't think he's gonna leave the party, but it, it almost sounded like he the party that as he knew it is not gonna come back. It's not like the fever is gonna break. I think that he's hinting at the inevitable. Right. For one thing, he's old. He's old, but he's not that old. He's not old like in his body. Right. Like right. he's old by age, but he's yeah. a young he's seventy-five. Not like, they the don't even is. drink coffee, right? Those people. Right. He's in great shape. He looks wonderful. But he's going to get primaried in Utah in four years or whatever. Right. It will be by a a Trumpier Republican, right. almost certainly. And if he wants to stay the senator. From Utah, he will run as an independent, or he'll start some sort like of a, uh, factional like, third party. So, like a almost like a Lisa Murkowski, where she had to like, I think she was primaried out of it, and then she ran as an independent, and then she stayed on because of her name recognition. It'll be interesting to see what uh, he and uh, Susan Collins. I mean, Mitt Romney is a lot more conservative than Susan Collins is, but they're both kind of like on the outside looking in of the party. 
And I don't know what would happen, like in the off chance that the Senate flips, like if it's 50-50 and, and Kamala Harris is a tiebreaker and the majority goes to the Democrats because they control the House, I mean the White House, now you're out of two of the the leaders of the party, the president and, and, the, and the majority leader. So then is it going to go to the crazy faction of the party or do you think at that point it will start to swing back to, to say – would the Republicans learn their yeah, lesson? Because, yeah, because yeah, I was wondering why, like uh, Romney. No, the just factualization gave up on will the only idea. increase. Right. So it seems like Romney, the way he he kind of reads the room, and he didn't see a path back to the way it was for the party. Uh, and so I, I was surprised about that because I thought in that scenario where both Trump and McConnell lose, you don't think there's an opportunity there for like moderate Republicans to kind of. For Ben Sass and Mitt yeah. Romney and Susan yeah. Collins to like to fire up the base again? No. no <laughs> like true. there's going to be people who are willing to fucking light shit on fire. Right. And peop that's what people want. Yeah. The appetite is for right. fire starters. Yeah. It's not for Mitt Romney and Ben Sass. That's certainly true. Mitt Romney is not the future of the Republican Party. As we said last week, Dan fucking Crenshaw with his <laughs> crazy action movie trailers yes. is the future of the party. Yeah. Charlie Kirk with the weird penis is the future of the party. <laughs> yes. Charlie, so not to get into this, Charlie Kirk tweeted something today that concretized or concretized, made concrete something that has sort of been in the ether with regards to this whole election, which is that people just using uncontroversial facts to be astonished by them and then pretending like it's proof that reality can't possibly be the way that the liberals are insisting that it is where you just you state things that are true right. things that happened and you point at them and you say well that's weird that can't be right so he tweeted something today he says barack obama 69 million votes won 873 counties donald trump 75 million votes won 2500 counties Joe Biden, 81 million votes, won 477 counties. And then he says, and we're not allowed to question his quote-unquote victory? And then the thinking face emoji. <laughs> so he, all he's doing there is pointing at an obvious known demographic fact, right. which is that giant piles of people live in cities more right. so now than ever before in this country. Right. More people live in fewer counties than at any other point in the history of the right. country, right? And Donald Trump has done this a lot too in the last six weeks, which is that he says, I won 75 million votes. That's never happened before. Uh, you're telling me that this other guy, that Joe <laughs> Biden won 81 million votes? That can't possibly, like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. If 70, like, yeah. It's just pointing at, it, what, at things that are definitely true, that actually happened, that we all know already, right? Which is that cities are big, and rural areas are, 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 are larger geographically, but smaller in terms of population. And then going, hmm, <laughs> something doesn't make but what sense here. I don't here. understand about that. They're deliberately using misleading state, you know, statements, right? So there is nothing, there is absolutely nothing significant about the number of counties you want. It doesn't mean anything because... Each county is not the same. Also, each state doesn't have like certain consistency in how they uh, have counties. Like, for instance, Georgia is not the second most populous state, but they have the second most counties behind Texas, uh, or at least they were last time I checked. Uh, 
There's no rhyme or reason. I mean, Metro Atlanta, there are the five major counties of, of Metro Atlanta. That's where all the people live. There's like another 135, 140 counties. God knows who lives in those. But then if you look at the map and you say, oh, wow, like Trump. Look at all the look at all the red. Right. Look like, at all look the people all who voted counties. for Donald yeah. Trump in Georgia. And then like 22 people that live in some of those counties. It's like, give me a break. So people are going to take that to mean what? Like, wow, there's something significant about the number of counties you carried I mean, every Republican candidate, I mean, you could look at Mitt Romney and, uh, the, you know, the losing candidate or, or, or John McCain when he lost, they probably cleaned up with the counties, right? It doesn't mean anything. Right. And it's deliberately said just to make it seem like you lost. I mean, isn't it possible that the guy who has hardly ever gone over 50% failed to get over 50% of the vote share? Right. The most... Plainly unpopular president in memory right. lost an election by six million votes. It's, it like it right. per, it tracks perfectly right. Right. with anybody looking at it rationally. Right. But no, that's yeah. not what they're doing. Um, we talked about Bill Barr a little bit earlier. I don't have a lot that I want to get into here, except that Bill Barr in 2019 started the federal executions program up again. Uh, something that had been paused for some time. Right. That was like a, what, like a 17 year, like on the, at the federal level, you know, like Georgia or especially like a Texas will kill people every now and again, you know, someone every now and again. But at the federal level, I think it was about 17 years uh, of no one getting killed until Barr showed up. And I think there's still like like four or five people that are going to be killed between now and January 20th. Right. The, the man who wanted a, uh, Big important award from the some lay Catholic association, not from the bishops, not from the official Catholics, but from a, a lay Catholic organization, gave him like Catholic of the Year or whatever, because of his strong anti-abortion stance. Even though he's the most vociferous advocate for pushing the death penalty that we have in the federal government at this point, and I don't have a lot to say about that beyond the the. Catholic Church is strongly against the death penalty in the same way that they're strongly against abortion. And they, the Pope, going back to the cool 90s Pope, cool <laughs> Pope John Paul, wrote encyclicals about trying to end capital punishment and encouraging uh, people to work towards that end. And that's good. Uh, capital punishment is bad. The state shouldn't kill people. One thing that always confused me about the death penalty issue in general is that in my naive mind, I always thought— the more religious you are, like if there's like a, this afterlife where there's like a day of judgment and this great perfect justice system on the other side of this life, you would be right. against the death penalty in this life because, you know, humans are not perfect. Maybe some prosecutor omitted some exculpatory things. Maybe the jury was biased. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it. I mean, a lot of people who are killed did the things that they were accused. It's not like not every story is like some Netflix, like I didn't do it kind of thing. Right. So, but even if there was one, it's not, it's not worth it. The system isn't built to be that sure. So if you are a faithful believer in this afterlife where you have this perfect 2020 justice system, you know, God is going to be like, oh, I remember you took a, you know, killed that guy or whatever. You know, I, right. I'm not very good at this religion uh, thing, but like, whatever, uh, you would be less likely. It's like, don't worry, we'll get, you know, we'll, we'll arrest you. You'll be in prison for the rest of your life. But if you did these things, 
you're going to get it on the back end, right? And then if you are an atheist, you would be more for, like, we need to get this motherfucker now because who, you know, right. there's nothing after this, right? But it's the opposite. It's just a weird thing. Why are you trying to get him now and then also later? Right. So I have a long-standing take that I want to develop into a, a whole thing, and I've done about half the research on it that I want to do to figure out how grounded in reality my opinion is. But I don't think that you get the sort of culture of death penalty in this country without us being a almost uniquely religious right. set here from the start. But to be fair, right? everybody was into killing people back in the day, you know. So the reason that the death penalty can take hold in a deeply religious society is because the instinct is actually, as you're suggesting here, precisely reversed, which is that it doesn't really matter what happens here. Like, uh, life is but a blink of an okay. eye if you're a religious right. person because when you get to the pearly gates and you're confronted with your entire life by whoever's going to let you in heaven or not, right. that's w that's when the only judgment that matters happens. Right. So w whatever mistakes were made on earth in terms of how you ended up dead, uh, whether it was the state or, or natural causes, it's you will okay. ultimately be judged one way or another and the truth of it will be that you go to heaven or you go to hell, and that's just the end of it. Uh, and that sort of it's a it's a complete devaluation of the momentary existence of life here. And I've never. But why is there this urgency I, to kill them in this blink of an eye of a life? You know, like why not just like you know, you know, you are party because to this all it is, is vengeance. It is it is secretly just about vengeance. It is underneath right. all of the claims right. about trying to make a better right. world. It's just you did this horrible thing, and you're going to get your. We have this opportunity to punish you, and we're not going to, you know, not take advantage of it. Your mileage may vary. This is a matter of taste. Whether your personal morals are more offended by the existence of the death penalty or the existence of abortion, say say you believe in the. That, that abortion is a profound moral wrong. Right. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But say you are a person who believes that an abortion is a profound moral wrong, and you are a person who believes that uh, an execution is a profound moral right. wrong. Even though we have way more abortions, it has always struck my ethical sensibility that uh, the death penalty is worse, even though we do relatively little of it. And that's because it's something that we're doing collectively rather than being – so yes, in a sense, when tax money goes to Planned Parenthood and it gets washed around in that way and then eventually might go to defray the cost of abortion for someone, then yeah, in that sense, that's something that the society is sort of doing, right. I guess. But uh, you can – not that I agree right, with that argument right. – but that I can see where that argument has its right. it, it, beginnings. Isn't the, and I see isn't what, the argument why people – Split the difference is because they'll say the the fetus is or you know is is innocent you know they haven't grown up to kill anyone yet you know I'm sure they can still grow up to do that but they haven't done it yet so they're innocent at the time when they're aborted whereas this other person committed some heinous I mean it's not like embezzling right, but if you if you believe that in the sort of soulful innocence of the fetus right. then what you are doing is you're just short circuiting a life that God tried to give it or right. whatever. And giving it its eternal reward in heaven with the father and all of your fucking dead relatives. How, uh, how do they square away the uh, everything happened for a reason thing? Like, so, th you know, the aborted thing. Like, if that happened, it happened for a reason. 
<sighs> don't make me defend it. Don't make, don't make me play this game that much. I'll do it some, but not that much. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that there's something about the state killing. There's something about all of us collectively bearing that responsibility that has always sat really, really wrong with me in a way that abortion, which is ultimately it comes down to a choice that a person right. makes that's about them and their relationship with themselves and their body and and whatever the hell else is going. Like, it's just about this person. Right. It is not a question of societal import, right. ultimately. Right. Now, the extent to which we discourage uh, safe sex practices, the extent to which we make it harder for people to not get pregnant when they do the normal everyday thing of uh, being horny right. and having right. sex, then then that becomes like a weird then, – then it doubles back and I'm like, yeah, that is a weird societal right. problem that right. we're having. But the death penalty has always struck me as something so much more obviously wrong for a society, for a, a government – to be doing in terms of enacting the public will in that way when it's just a, a question of revenge and it i just don't get <laughs> it I, i've never been i've never been able to square it with any ethics or morality that makes any sense whatsoever. i don't know why but like the part about the way we do killings in this country and, and a lot of other like west quote-unquote western societies is that you're doing a terrible, heinous thing, but you're trying to dress it up as something that's not. You know, like other places, they'll just behead you or they'll hang you, you know, like, or just shoot you. Like, get the hell out of here. That's it. No more living for you. But here, it's like your last meal. No, it has, and, all, it has all of this weird doctrinal religious uh, weight right, and significance, right. right? Like, it's this big, it's, it's, you watch it in the movies, for example. It's always presented, it's a lot like watching a fucking Catholic mass. Like yeah. there's this person walks in this right. direction at the appointed right, time. Right. They say this thing. There's a last fucking supper. <laughs> like what? Like last it's, words. It's an you know, extremely... you know, they give you an opportunity to like say your piece, and then like they'll press a bunch of buttons, and then you know, right. And then you're ending a human right. life. Like you're taking right. a, a a completely viable human right. life, and you're saying that it no longer is allowed to exist. Right. And yeah. A lot of times, that's because this person killed ten right. people yeah. or whatever. Like, or the they case burned them up. I mean, some but of the things yeah, they, they have done some horrible things. Sometimes that's why I'm just like I'm against it in principle, but ah, fuck it, you know, whatever. I, I, that's, well, that, sure. that, that's not a sustainable but, position, but like that's sometimes where I'm, I just read like, yeah, but like, fuck this guy. Right. That's just like at the back of my mind. I like I still would be like if there was a position to take, I would be against it because I just don't think that that's not. And maybe that's maybe that's just the disconnect where I'm I don't do that sort of bargaining and I don't when I think about an abortion I know that when say somebody who's avidly pro life is just thinking about like a perfect little infant in a mother's arms lovingly cared right, for right? right and that you're you're cutting that life short or whatever right. in the same way that when you think about the death penalty you're like yeah but this guy like rape <laughs> yeah, murdered like- eleven nuns they it's not like a just your run-of-the-mill murder. So it's like, oh, this person took this person, they, and then they put him in a car, and they burned it. And I was like, holy hell. Right, and putting aside all of my other, and you touched on this at the top of this discussion, I think, but given the possibility of error, like given the possibility right. that one out of even 10,000, right. and this is something that, this is like a conversation that I think we had online like years ago, where the you, you broke out the quote that it's better to let ten uh, one yeah. ten guilty men go right. free than to let one innocent male, man rot in jail or be executed by the state or right, whatever. Right. 
And people objected <laughs> to that characterization. I think, you know, and, and, and maybe I didn't do a good job of kind of explaining what, what the, the thinking behind it. Because they were saying, why would you let somebody guilty go free? And it's like, when you're designing a system, design it in such a way that it's more likely to let a guilty person walk than to... Uh, uh, jail or kill an innocent person because the system, the burden of proof has to be such, especially when it comes to 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 capital punishment. You can't just be casual about killing people, right? Um, even when all the facts align, I would still be against it. But at least then, it, you know, that system doesn't exist. But if it existed. I would be like, all right, well, you know, like I'm against it, but right. whatever. In an, you know. in an absolutely perfect system, I would still be against, be against the death right. penalty. And what we have is nowhere approaching right. anything that would resemble right. so, a perfect So it's like system. an automatic and, – and anytime, uh, you know, there are any examples that point to like in a recent uh, uh, execution, the person maybe didn't do it, uh, the people that are for the system will just look the other way, like – they won't look into it to see, like, did we get that wrong or, you know, maybe we shouldn't do it. Because to me, like, it should be one if, – if one case was proven to where the person didn't do it, the whole system should fall right. apart. And that's where, like, a so-called conservative falls back on – in an institutionalism that is bankrupt where they say that it would be it would be harmful to the institution to look into this any further right. to continue this process of trying to get to the truth because we might uncover that we did something right. wrong here and it's better right. to keep the illusion up than to remove all doubt which doesn't make you know they always fall back to uh Finan there's an importance with finality, which would be a good argument to raise now with this election thing, right? <laughs> it is important to have, a, right. you know, like a, a final, this is what happened, this is the accepted result. But you're right. I think if you point to, because I that was my thinking the whole time, if you can point to an example where we know for sure somebody was innocent, that should make everyone be on the same page. But I know that that's not going to happen. People will still defend the system for some reason that even if somebody... In this example, this hypothetical, even if somebody we all agree was innocent after the fact, you would still want – there's some value in killing somebody that you can't get by just jailing. And I don't – I mean do people get any satisfaction with the way we kill people now anyways? At least with the crazy like, you know, like Saudi Arabian thing. If you're into that, I'm not. But if you're into that, at least you show up in the public square like, oh, this is going to be a fun afternoon. you know. But what do we get with right. the system we have now? It's this dumb – Goofy thing. What else can we talk about tonight? I wanted to. I wanted this to be way more fun than it's actually going to be because I thought that I would be able to turn this into a game. Oh. But a I, a I blew it when I sent you the link oh. the other day. <laughs> Which link was that? I forget and, about. And you may not have blown that's it right. actually. And, and B. He's got COVID. It turns out that this is so completely insane and such a piece of satire on its own that it's hard to find other examples that that make any sense in this context. So I might have just found the perfect, most absurd example of the thing, okay. and therefore I, I couldn't turn it into something more fun. So I'm going to just play this clip from the Marketplace Morning Report from December 16th. All right. This is the Marketplace Morning Report. I'm David Brancaccio. And here's another argument for more diversity. 
People can be so siloed in their workplace that they need to hire an outside consultant to find a black person to talk to. An entrepreneur in Massachusetts has set up a text-based service to advise people if their material is racist. Reporter Cerise Castle has more on a small business called Your Black Friend Consulting Services. Tory Bullock is an actor, activist, and he's black. He's known around Boston for persuading the city council to remove the Emancipation Memorial. That depicted Abraham Lincoln with a chained enslaved man. And he told a local historical society that a Christmas card with the words, I'm dreaming of a white Dorchester, was racist. He hasn't had any formal training in diversity and inclusion. I'm not this guy that spent 13 years at this program that I now know all this information. But he saw the need for individuals to get an honest read on whether something they want to do or say is racist. So he founded the company Your Black Friend. Anybody can can do this. He says it works like a spell check for pointing out prejudice. Customers anonymously message Bullock, and he will say whether or not something is racist. A simple question and answer starts at $20. And when people want to push back, it costs more. We can talk as long as you like to get it off your chest but you're going to be paying a bit more money for that as opposed to (laughs) just taking my word for it. Bullock also offers a version of his service to companies starting at $100, where he will review anything for potentially offensive material. He takes on about four clients each month and has had about 100 customers since starting the company in 2018. Tiffany Jana is the founder of TMI Consulting, a diversity and inclusion management firm in Virginia. The company's business has increased astronomically in recent months. People are having that conversation more openly, more aggressively, more proactively. Jana says the work isn't always easy. Back in Boston, Bullock agrees, but says it's so rewarding. I really enjoy kind of witnessing people's small (laughs) awakening. And he says that makes it all worthwhile. I'm Cerise Castle for Marketplace. Not the money? That's what makes it worthwhile? Okay. This is a great story. I I keep... (laughs) First of all, remember... uh, Abe, I found your new job. I don't know. I was just reminded of this. But uh, remember, we were talking, I think, either last week's episode or the one before that, how uh, on the right, um, some of these... uh, politicians are exploiting people's headspace where they're trying to get money out of them in support of some failed campaign that's not going to go anywhere right but they believe that it's true right so they're just exploiting their thinking right where the president has probably raised like half a billion dollars by now now this is not apples and apples or whatever but like to the extent that anyone is falling for this trick, it's people on the left who kind of feel like guilty. Oh, maybe I'm a little bit racist. Let me <laughs> run it by this random Yahoo. Who the fuck is this guy? He's nobody. <laughs> like, He's... <laughs> like so 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 we'll get into this a little bit, but the thing that blows my mind about this, the more that I've thought about this story, is how the fuck does this end up as a two and a half minute segment on the marketplace morning report on like 300 NPR stations around the country? Like right. how is this nobody, this right. performance right. artist, motivational speaker guy from Boston, an activist, an actor and black, a black activist right. and actor who set up a, a 
text message thing where he gets paid 20 bucks a pop to tell you whether or not your thing is racist. How does that become a story? Like, how far down are you scraping the bottom of the barrel (laughs) to find race baiting news to to stick into your morning? Because that's so this has been an active thing with Marketplace and their editorial direction in the last two years that they they purposefully and they've talked about this chose to go in this direction where they focus more on minorities or whatever. And this is a product of that. Is, of do you think trying that to find the intended audience here are minorities? It seems like it would just be some. Well, no, the intended audience is that 80% white, white right. audience that NPR right. rolls right. with. Are they accepting as fact, the statements that he's making? Cause I refuse to believe anyone has paid for this service. First of all, no how way. do you come across this guy in the first place? Why am I paying you $20? And if I have any questions about your answer, I have to pay more? What is like a, one of those like 900 line? It's just, it sounds like some weird scam. Why am I giving you money? I can get this answer Spe- anyway. Like how does that incentivize – so how does that incentivize an honest yes. answer, by the way? <laughs> Which is – so this thing that I did, is it racist? <laughs> and you say – Yes. yes. Like, are you sure? And I might get more money from right. you. Or if I say, no, man, you're right. cool, then I won't get any yeah. more money from you. I wonder what my <laughs> answer is going also, to be. Also, uh, one of the examples was I call these black kids monkeys. Is that kosher? Like, Right. So they show, <laughs> they show the screenshots. And I'll put, the, I'll put it in the show note at brainiron.com. But it's a hey with a hand wave emoji. Like... As though this is the first, so this is the first interaction that right. that these two people are allegedly right. having. Which, by there the way, no, as you yeah. said, this is definitely a buddy right. of his who he right. told if, to text if, him if, this if, with if a they script. Actually, if these journalists, if, unless they're just doing a two-minute story and just moving on, if anybody actually looked into it any further, they would admit that these text exchanges are for illustration purposes only, and it was actually my friend. But you, this is the kind right. of service Here's I would the offer. Text. Hey, with the hand wave emoji. I'm a teacher and I love my students. I call them my little monkeys as a nickname. Is that wrong? And then, hey there, with a hand wave back, and it's a black oh, yeah, hand bro. waving back. And in the fr- I didn't even know the, the first one was a hey with a white hand. The, By the, the way, hey there back I, I is with the black hand. I don't hand. use those graphics, but like, is the rule that you, it has to match your skin tone? Could you like use? No, it's not the rule. It's just available okay. to you. In case you don't identify with the white shrugging person, like shrug, but it's a white yeah. guy, that doesn't like convey how you look when you shrug. Right. Because <laughs> I would, it, it, I identify as a natural redhead, right. even though I'm not. But like, I'm too lazy to, to change to my change thing. it. But I would imagine that since this guy's making this up, he should have, as an example, the hand wave should have been like an old like white teacher lady who's using like a too dark kind of hand like oh let me circle back to the first interaction by the way this is gonna be a freebie hey there (laughs) black hand wave are there black slash brown kids in the class response yes predominantly black Mm. Mm okay yeah you should stop that immediately (laughs) while i'm not going to yell racism i am going to say it's extremely problematic and a bit tone deaf (laughs) but why is the response (laughs) The response to the but why, 
For an in-depth explanation on why this is problematic, please Venmo <laughs> PayPal five dollars. Why at this point? Okay, so what this this person this fake person is in in what twenty dollars in right now, and they're paying an additional five, or I don't know what the payment structure is, but they've already paid for the yeah, that's a bit racist, and they're, they're like, right. and so and they're like, I want more. So she says. <laughs> She says, sent, exclamation point. And then the response from the guy who's definitely not an expert, as he makes clear in the NPR piece, is a a picture of King Kong holding a white lady and also a Vogue cover that is apparently problematic because there's a screaming black guy on it with a happy white woman. And it says, this depiction of black people equal monkey was promoted by slave traders, historians, and practitioners of scientific racism. Blacks are brutes was used to justify slavery and lynching. And that's the end of that right. exchange. An exchange that definitely it did, not did not happen. Definitely happen but maybe now more. By the way, can I just, uh, th- this is partly your fault because when you sent me uh, this, I couldn't help but just continue to look into it. So I went on this guy's like Facebook page and he has like he's he really is uh trying to be all of those things that they described him, like an actor or this and that. Cause like he's trying to do some sort of like comedy thing, like take the race race related issues and then try to make a bit like a video where, you know, like, oh, this is my these are my thoughts on this, you know. Like they said this white Christmas, you know, not the snow. I'm gonna deliberately misunderstand what is meant by that and then turn it into a race thing so like his whole thing is just race related things and he's doing like bits on it so how is this not just a how is it not a piece of satire a simple question and answer starts at twenty dollars and when people want to push back it costs more we can talk as long as you'd like to get it off your chest but you're going to be paying a bit more (laughs) money for that as opposed to just taking my word for it he said like what the and fuck? And the thing is, like, I I would imagine if the reporter, uh, if they're if they are white or they're not this, if they're not black, let's say, I don't know, if they're something other than than black, they would feel uncomfortable pushing back. Like, who the fuck are you? Why are people paying money for your thoughts? You know, uh, you know, like common questions, right? But they would feel bad. Can I talk to one of your customers? Right. That yes. would be that would be all yeah, that I care. I want to what talk. Did he, say? he had a hundred in the last two years to, or whatever. He had a hundred in the last year right. and a half. Apparently. We can't get speak to one of them to see, you know, I'm sure there are some satisfied former racists who have been turned and now their life is appreciably better because you, they paid $20 to you. It wouldn't be, I wouldn't be so mad about it if it weren't so obviously bullshit that a teacher texted this random (laughs) black guy and said, is it okay for me to call my black and brown students monkeys? And it's so on the nose. Or is that not Right, I mean, like, if it was some other example that was, like, more likely to be, you know, like, oh, I pulled my purse a little closer when I walked by this black, you know, or something, you know, okay, I can kind of see that. This seems to be like, first of all, who are, like, was this like on uh, Craigslist? Like, did they ask any questions about how did this whole thing happen? How do people discover you? I mean, no, they didn't. They did nothing to fact check and figure this out because they figured this will go out and nobody will ever fucking hear it. And that's it. And this story doesn't mean anything, so it's not going to go anywhere because wasn't there – this is not related to this, but um, the New York Times had to kind of walk back this podcast series because apparently some terrorist who was telling these great tales about executing people in Syria was full of shit, you know. So – Right. The Pulitzer-nominated podcast uh, Caliphate, which I listened to 
when it was airing. I don't know if I ever actually finished it. Right. Uh, come to think of it, it but, was kind of a drag. I mean, the the, the, uh, the star person is somebody who's talking about how he was killing people. Not a very fun listen. And uh, it turned out that uh, they kind of cut a few corners. So if they're gonna do, if they're gonna cut corners on those kind of stories, they're not gonna look into it at all with these stories. And again, right. if like this person who's just trying to, you know grift his way to the top or whatever uh no you know i mean there's plenty of people like him so there's not a big knock on his scheme but the fact that the story was just reported unchallenged like just ask a customer like i mean maybe they'll con- you know they'll lie for him like if it was a close friend but like they didn't go that far i kind of want to text him and say <laughs> hey man i heard your story on marketplace and my reaction was to text my only <laughs> black friend go. that would be great <laughs> you've been listening to cast iron brains a podcast with bob and abe and find the show on facebook or twitter just head to brainiron.com that's the best way to find us where you can check out the show's new logo neat neat that is the correct (laughs) reaction to like 20 hours of work that i did uh, that's that's what's disappointing (laughs) even i after all of the work i'm like yep that sort of looks close to what I imagined it would look when I started 25 hours ago. When I was ago. looking at it, for some reason in my head, I was like, you know, like if you tipped Georgia over and you kind of thin it out at the end, it kind of looks like Virginia, like, you know, but it doesn't. But I was just in my head just looking at it. Like it's weird how Georgia's upright and Virginia's kind of fallen over and the two thing images. What are you, tra- what are no, you trying nothing. to say? I was like, oh, it's weird. It's like the, these all these states are the same. It's just, you know. I don't know if you've seen the Midwestern states. Oh, yeah, no. The, 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 the rectangles. All, <laughs> all the, same. the opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Only uh, only one of the three of us has gotten COVID. That's right. Give it time. The, 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 so the, I'm telling you that UK uh, strain is going to get everybody by March. Very contagious, they say. <laughs> Abe, you uh, got anything else for us tonight? Nope. That's all we've got for tonight, and we will talk to you next time. Later. Real quick on Gawker. Yes. You go back and read the archive of brainiron.com, you'll find that I written a lot about media consolidation and the problem of handing all creative control of the culture to a shorter and shorter list of bigger and bigger companies. Gawker at its best was standing there in the face of institutional lies or uh, obfuscation and saying bullshit. Like when they showed Brett Favre's dick, that sort of truth? Right. Sure. <laughs> that sort of truth, yes. When Deadspin published Brett Favre's crotch yeah. shots, that was in, in service of a grander journalistic right. ethic that involves circumcision. Obviously, you can snip and pick and have your problems with the gawker right. ethos. So so there's this person, Bubba the Love Sponge. Radio personality, yes. Right, a, a radio shock jock of some apparent renown. Very good friend with Hogan. So, Very good friends. So good friends that they were, were they banging Bubba's wife together or something yeah. like that? Well, I think the whole scheme was that he would watch, like some sort of voyeuristic kind of thing. Right, right. Like so, a, a Jerry Falwell Jr. situation. Yeah, yeah. So very weird fetish, but there are people that are into that sort of thing. Yeah.
it's just weird that Tim Cook gets to have veto power over what sort of art is being made. The fewer and fewer production outfits that there are, the more consolidated the media ecosystem becomes. Despite the giant sums of content that are spewn out of the content maw on a weekly and monthly basis, how much of it is actually of, of any sort of artistic integrity if it's coming from one of three or four multinational tech giants? I don't know what you could do about that, and let's just turn down all that money. Right? Well, you, and well, companies are not going to do that. I tell you exactly what you don't do. You don't allow these companies to own the, mean, the means of That's production true. and the distribution right. channels for right. it. Then we're going to be in a situation where the only people who own movie theaters are going to be the production houses, right? Right. <laughs> that, we're, not, so, we're not far away from that because, yeah. AMC doesn't expect to be able to survive as a, as a company, right, going right. forward into 2021. Why wouldn't right. Netflix spend some of their billions and billions of dollars on buying that real estate and right. having Netflix movie houses? Why wouldn't Time Warner do the same thing? I think that that's mm. almost inevitable at this point. Right. That we'll just have movie theater chains that are owned by the studios, which is something that was like explicitly illegal. Or right. made illegal a long time ago, but now it'll just be part of this vertically integrated world that we live in. Yeah, you have a soft spot I do, for yeah, Auburn. It's I don't weird. know because you, it was the, you, have this, you have the same Fucked soft up. spot for Auburn that you have for like uh, older women <laughs> who are. <laughs> so you. Uh, How dare you! <laughs> <laughs>